A short chapter on bustles by anonymous from the irish penny journal of 1840 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org a short chapter on bustles bustles what are bustles i reader fair reader you may well ask that question but some of your sex at least know the meaning of the word and the use of the article it designates sufficiently well though thank heaven there are many thousands of my countrywomen who are as yet ignorant of both and indeed to whom such knowledge would be quite useless would that i were in equally innocent ignorance not reader that i am of the feminine gender and use the article in question but my knowledge of its mysterious uses and the various materials of which it is composed has been the ruin of me I will have inscribed on my tomb, Here lies a man who was killed by a bustle. But before I detail the circumstances of my unhappy fate, it will perhaps be proper to give a description of the article itself, which has been the cause of my undoing. Well then, a bustle is... But the editor will perhaps object to this description as being too distinct and graphic. If so, then here goes for another less labored and more characteristically mysterious. A bustle is an article used by ladies to take from their form the character of the Venus of the Greeks and impart to it that of the Venus of the Hottentots. That ladies should have a taste so singular may appear incredible, but there is no accounting for tastes, and I know to my cost that the fact is indisputable. I made the discovery a few years since, and up to that time I had always borne the character of a sage, sedate, and promising young man, one likely to get on in the world by my exertions, and therefore sure to be helped by my friends. I was even, I flatter myself, a favorite with the fair sex, too, and justly so, for I was their most ardent admirer, and there was one most lovely creature among them whom I had fondly hoped to have made my own, but alas, how vain and visionary are our hopes of human happiness! Such hopes with me have fled forever. As I said before, I am a ruined man, and all in consequence of ladies' bustles. In an unlucky hour I was in a ballroom, seated at a little distance from my fair one, my eyes watching her every air and look, my ears catching every sound of her sweet voice, when I heard her complain to a female friend, in tones of the softest whispering music, that she was oppressed with the heat of the place. My dear, her friend replied, it must be the effect of your bustle. What do you stuff it with? Hair, horse hair, was the reply. Hair, mercy on us, says her friend. It is no wonder you are oppressed. That is a hot and hot material, truly. Why, you should do as I do. You do not see me fainting, and the reason is that I stuff my bustle with hay, new hay. I heard no more, for the ladies, supposing from my eyes that I was a listener, changed the topic of conversation though indeed it was not necessary, for at the time I had not the slightest notion of what they meant. Time, however, passed on most favorably to my wishes. Another month, and I should have called my Catherine my own. She was on a visit to my sister, and I had every opportunity to make myself agreeable. We sang together, we talked together, and we danced together. All this would have been very well, but unfortunately we also walked together. It was on the last time we ever did so, that the circumstance occurred, which I have now to relate, and which gave the first death-blow to my hopes of happiness. We were crossing Carlisle Bridge, her dear arm linked in mine, 
when we chanced to meet a female friend, and wishing to have a little chat with her without incommoding the passengers, we got to the edge of the flagway, near which at the time there was standing an old white horse, totally blind. He was a quiet-looking animal, and none of us could have supposed from his physiognomy that he had any savage propensity in his nature. But imagine my astonishment and horror when I suddenly heard my charmer give a scream that pierced me to the very heart, and when I perceived that the atrocious old blind brute, having slowly and slyly swayed his head around, caught the, how shall I describe it, caught my Catherine, really I can't say how, but he caught her, and before I could extricate her from his jaws, he made a reef in her garments such as a lady never suffered. Silk gown, petticoat, bustle, everything, in fact, gave way, and left an opening, a chasm, an exposure that may perhaps be imagined but cannot be described. As rapidly as I could, of course, I got my fair one into a jarvey and hurried home, the truth gradually opening in my mind as to the cause of the disaster. It was that the blind horse, hungry brute, had been attracted by the smell of my Catherine's bustle, made of hay, new hay. Catherine was never the same to me afterwards. She took the most invincible dislike to walk with me, or rather perhaps to be seen in the streets with me. But matters were not yet come to the worst, and I had indulged in hopes that she would yet be mine. I had taken, however, a deep aversion to bustles, and even determined to wage war upon them to the best of my ability. In this spirit, a few days after, I determined to wreak my vengeance on my sister's bustle, for I found by this time that she too was emulous of being a hot and top beauty. Accordingly, having to accompany her and my intended wife to a ball, I stole into my sister's room in the course of the evening before she went into it to dress, and pouncing upon her hated bustle, which lay on her toilet table, I inflicted a cut on it with my penknife and retired. But what a mistake did I make! Alas, it was not my sister's bustle, but my Catherine's. However, we went to the ball, and for a time all went smoothly on. I took my Catherine as a partner in the dance, but imagine my horror when I perceived her gradually becoming thinner and thinner, losing her embonpoint as she danced, and worse than that, that every movement which she described in the figure, the lady's chain, the chasse, was accurately marked, recorded, on the chalked floor with bran. Oh dear, reader, pity me, was ever man so unfortunate? This sealed my doom. She would never speak to me or even look at me afterwards. But this was not all. My character with the sex, I with both sexes, was also destroyed. I who had been heretofore, as I said, considered as an example of prudence and discretion for a young man, was now set down as a thoughtless, devil-may-care wag, never to do well. The men treated me coldly, and the women turned their backs upon me. And so thus, in reality, they made me what they had supposed I was. It was indeed no wonder, for I could never after see a lady with a bustle, but I felt an irresistible inclination to laughter. And this, too, even on occasions when I should have kept a grave countenance. If I met a couple of country or other friends in the street and inquired after their family, the cause, perhaps, of the mourning in which they were attired, while they were telling me of the death of some father, sister, or other relative, I, to their astonishment, would take to laughing. And if there was a horse near us, give the lady a drag away to another situation. And if then I were asked the meaning of this ill-timed mirth and this singular movement, what could I say? Why, sometimes I made the matter worse by replying, Dear madam, it is only to save your bustle from the horse. 
Stung at length by my misfortunes and the hopelessness of my situation, I became utterly reckless, and only thought of carrying out my revenge on the bustles in every way in my power. And this, I must say, with some pride, I did for a while with good effect. I got a number of the hated articles manufactured for myself, but not, reader, to wear, as you shall hear. Oh, no! But whenever I received an invitation to a party, which indeed had latterly been seldom sent me, I took one of those articles in my pocket, and, watching a favorable opportunity when all were engaged in the mazy figure of the dance, let it secretly fall among them. The result may be imagined. I, reader, imagine it, for I cannot describe it with effect. First, the half-suppressed but simultaneous scream of all the ladies as it was held up for a claimant. Next, the equally simultaneous movement of the ladies' hands, all quickly disengaged from those of their partners, and not raised up in wonder, but carried down to their... bustles. Never was movement in the dance executed with such precision, and I should be immortalized as the inventor of an attitude so expressive of sentiment and of feeling. Alas, this is the only consolation now afforded me in my afflictions. I invented a new attitude, a new movement in the quadrille. Let others see that it not be forgotten. I am now a banished man from all refined society. No lady will appear where that odious Mr. Bustle, as they call me, might possibly be, and so no one will admit me inside their doors. I have nothing left me, therefore, but to live out my solitary life and vent my execration of bustles in the only place now left me the columns of the Irish Penny Journal. End of A Short Chapter on Bustles by Anonymous Read by Colleen McMahon